All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. dreams I see this town Silent Hill you promised you'd take me there someday but you never did well I'm alone there now waiting for you awkward (laughs) (laughs) welcome to primitive screwheads talk horror movies and that is the opening lines to Silent Hill 2 one of my very favorite games of all time and one of our topics of discussion for tonight because we will be talking about the movie Silent Hill. Um, so, just to introduce myself, I am Dan. And I am Andrew. And we are two friends that met over uh, teaching ESL in South Korea. And we banded over our love for horror movies. So, what we do is we get together every so often. We watch a horror movie and we record it. And we give our little thoughts on it. A little bit of background information. And just kind of walk through the summary. And hopefully, I guess, our aim of this podcast... Um, because we really haven't picked any movies that we really, really hated. So we're, I, I guess we're kind of hoping to see like movies that are either bad, good movies or actual underrated, genuine, good horror movies. And then we also have the new Halloween in there, too, So, which we are at odds over. Yep, yep. Yes. Uh-huh. Just wait till we reduct our Alien Covenant episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> so, yeah, um, there we are. How has life been for you, Andrew? Uh, it's been uh, pretty good, you know. Uh, just like you, I'm just coming off of a cold. Actually, I think I'm starting to get a cold. Um, so I guess it's mm. on the opposite end of the spectrum. Ah, uh, uh, yes. But, you no, know. I'm passing the curse off onto you. That's what it is. I've been sick the past couple of days, which is why my voice sounds a little bit more uh, chain smokery at this moment. And I've also been out of work for the past two days, and I am driving myself crazy just staying in my apartment and doing nothing. You know, I don't... I, I think really what it is and what the key to it all is is I don't have a video game, a really, really video, like deep video game to sink my teeth into and just kill a couple hours on it. Mm. Like, I played through Sekiro, which was amazing, and I played a little bit of it yesterday, and I got all the trophies except for the very one which was upgrade all of your skills on your skill tree. And it is basically, I calculated it, I just tested running the skill tree path or skill point grinding path for about 10 minutes and I realized I'm going to need about three and a half hours of grinding to unlock all of these skills. And I'm just like, oh, fuck that. I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible. It is terrible. Don't do that shit. It absolutely is. You know, Miyazaki and everyone else who made the Dark Souls, Sekiro stuff, you know, I know you're listening, so you should be ashamed of yourself. They should be, indeed. Yeah. But yeah, that's that. Uh, summer vacation's coming up for you? Oh, yeah. Uh, three, well, I have 14 days left of school. Uh, technically, I have a conference to go to tomorrow, so I'm not actually going to be at school, which would be nice. Woohoo. Um, so yeah, it's gonna it's coming up. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's ready for it to be over. Yeah, same here, definitely. And then we also talked about, uh, because you're up in Boston Mm. area, and I'm kind of in North Carolina, and we talked about uh, actually moving on up, um, or meeting up sometime over the summer. Yeah, yeah. So we should do something special for that one, maybe... I don't know. It's like a recent, we go see a movie in theaters and like give a... We could. Now, here's what we should do. We should record a podcast as we're watching the movie in theaters. That won't get us in trouble at all. No, absolutely not. Especially horror movies. 
Is a, is a Quiet Place still playing? Because uh, that would be a nice That would be a great one to talk through. <laughs> that's, that's my uh, <laughs> Yep. So, yeah. Um, anything else to add, Andrew? Or you want to jump right into the movie? Uh, actually, wait. Did you see the second one of this before we go too far into it? I did not. Oh, interesting. Which is surprising. Let's let's save that for the very, very end. Okay. I want to hear your opinion on the second one, because I don't think we're going to do a full episode on that oh, one. Yeah, probably not, no. Or will we? I don't know. Mm. Maybe this could be the one that really hits us off. You know, it's We'll true. really find our niche with Silent Hill fans. That'll be it. We'll, we'll just do the yep. same two movies over and over again. And the whole time. There actually is a podcast. Um, it is uh, the worst idea ever made, where every week they watch the same movie over and over again. One time was, uh, what was the Adam Sandler movie? Uh there's a lot of them. Grown-ups. Grown-ups. Oh, God, uh, why? Grown-ups, too. Yes. So they watch Grown-up 2 every week. Um, for how long? And they talk about their experience every week for 52 for a whole year. That's all they do? 52 weeks. Yep. That's all they do. They watch it, and then they meet, and they record a podcast about it, and it's called The Worst Idea Ever Made. Oh, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think around episode three or four, someone decided to sync up Dark Side of the Moon to the movie and see how that works, and... By episode 52, I think they only ended up with, like, two less hosts because they murdered each other, which is very weird because they all live in separate areas of the country, but that's how it goes. You know, I can, I can understand. Anyway. anyway. So, yeah, Silent Hill is our film for today. That is the 2006 horror film. It's directed by French director Christophe Gans, and it's written by Roger Avery. Um, it was released in 2006 by TriStar Pictures. And I want to give a little bit of background information on this one. In fact, I want to give a lot of background information about this one because I am a massive Silent Hill fan. And I want to tell you exactly how I became a fan because it's a story. So, in high school, I was president of the Sci-Fi Club. I was reading the Son of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones books before it even was on the radar as a TV show. I spent a lot of time playing video games in my basement with my brothers and all that stuff right there. Basically, the picture I'm painting is I was a pretty antisocial kid back in um, high school, which is fine. You know, it is what it is, and I really came out of my uh, cocoon later on. But I do remember one of the big things, and this is going to become Kernians later, is my parents would not let me allow to... Uh, they, they would not allow me to play M-rated games of which Silent Hill 2, this very, very awesome and very, very cool-looking game that all the internet message boards were raving about, was one of them. I didn't have a car at the time. I did have a job. I didn't... Um, and so I had a little bit of disposable income, but not too much. And I remember one of my friends told me, hey, and I forgot his name, so I'm just going to call him Nick. Hey, Nick is looking to sell his copy of Silent Hill 2. Now, Nick was one of the bullies of the school, and he didn't bully me, but he had a reputation for, you know, smoking weed behind the school and getting in fights and getting suspended all the time and all that good stuff right there. So I thought to myself, oh, God, I really, really want to play this game so bad. So I decided to pass along the message and said, hey, yeah, I'll buy it for me for 20 bucks. And I so expected Nick to, you know, kind of rip me off. But he came on over to my locker. He pulled out the game. I pulled out the 20 bucks. It was like a hostage negotiation right now. Like, I'm thinking, oh, God, he's going to totally take my point and just run away. But no, it went smoothly. And I opened it up, 
and the game was in there. And I put it in my PlayStation later that night, and it worked. So I was really, really excited about that one. Now, the problem was, of course, uh, my PlayStation 2 was right in the living room, so I couldn't really play when my parents were home because it was a high-traffic area. So what I did is I waited for my parents to go home about 9.30, and I would have to play for about a half hour to 45 minutes every single night over and over and over again. With the volume down low, I think at one point I started putting headphones on, but even then was a whole big thing. But sometimes my parents came downstairs to use the bathroom or something like that. And, you know, I had to look out for them and watch them and all of that stuff there. But it was just the atmosphere was incredible for that game. And it was so much enhanced, just the fact that I got the game, the fact that I had to keep silent when I was playing it, and the fact that it was probably and still is one of my favorite PlayStation 2 games of all time. So, yeah. I like Silent Hill, too. That's all I can say. Damn. Uh-huh. Um, Silent Hill 3 came on later. I bought that. Silent Hill 4 came on, too. I did play a little bit of the 360-slash-PlayStation 3 generation games, but it, was, it wasn't made by the same team. Um, and then I did eventually go back and play the original as well. But 2 is still my favorite, which, um, unfortunately, this movie is not based off of. So... This movie, 2006 Silent Hill, um, came out uh, between 3 and 4, I believe, um, the game's right there. And it's loosely based on the first game, about a parent looking for their daughter. Although in the original Silent Hill, it was the main character, Harry Mason, who gets in a car crash, and his daughter goes missing, and he decides to look for this nearby town of Silent Hill, and he quickly realizes that, oh no, this town is overrun by spooky ghosts. Which, uh, the first one's plot wasn't amazing, but the second one's plot really dwelled into the psyche of human beings and like how the actual town is a character itself designed specifically to torture whoever wanders on in. And if you got nothing to fear, like this one little girl who's in the movie or who's in the game, then you're fine because you're innocent. But if you've got some demons, oh boy, that town is going to fuck your shit up. So yeah. Um... This movie came onto my radar during, I was think it was reading something on GameFAQs or one of my PlayStation magazines or something like that, and they said, yeah, we're making a Silent Hill movie, and I thought to myself, this is going to be amazing. And I remember I went to my small town movie theater, and I brought my little brother along, too, who was 12, 13 at the time, I want to say, and I was about 16 at the time, so it really, you know, and it's an R-rated movie, so I was just like, oh boy. Actually, no, I was 18 at the time. That's right. Um, so I remember the manager would not let me in for the first part. Like, he would say, no, this kid is under thir- or, this kid is 12, 13. He's, he's too young for an R-rated movie. And I said, well, come on. He's been wanting to see this movie forever. I've got him. I'm a chaperone. No, no, you can't. And I remember this one quiet kid at my school whose name I cannot remember. But he and I shared a study hall together, and we occasionally talked, but we didn't talk that much. He came on over, and he worked at the theater, and he said, yeah, I can vouch for these guys. They're legit. And Andrew was just sick of my BS at the time, and they were just like, all right, fine, go on in, whatever. So, yeah, that's how I saw Silent Hill. Um, So let's dive right into it. Um, Basically, this movie, once again, is a loose adaptation of the first movie, Parents Goes Missing, or Parents kid goes missing and they look for the kid in this town of silent hill and this town of silent hill is very very cursed and spooky stuff happens and there's a lot of themes and cults and all that stuff um 
But they do make a couple changes to this movie. Very first one, it's no longer a father. They changed it to a mother looking for her daughter. And the reason why the um, director wanted to do that is because he felt a maternal link was a lot stronger than a paternal, uh, paternal link, which is fine. Um, and then something interesting, too, a little bit of trivia. Sean Bean plays the husband of our main character who goes searching for her missing daughter. Um, he wasn't in the original script. Oh. They actually sat down and they thought to themselves, well, shit, there are no guy parts in this entire movie. Every single main character is a female. And in 2006, apparently that was a huge, massive deal. So they decided to write in Sean Bean as this father and his whole subplot looking for his missing wife, which ultimately, spoiler alert, doesn't really lead anywhere. So, huh. yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, well, I guess let's get general thoughts right real quick. So, Andrew, what did you think of Silent Hill? Overall, overall, I really liked it. I I felt I remember like when I first saw it. Like again, I played I played the first couple games, but not uh, like I really can't remember them. I think I was more of a Resident Evil fan. I kind of went that route. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember like when I saw this movie, I was surprised at how good it like at how like actually horror-y it was, and like attempting to actually kind of make things kind of scary and creepy, which yeah. I feel like a lot of these video game movies don't do very well. So I thought it was like. Like you know, I, I obviously I can't speak to it too much as an adaptation of the game, but I thought it was a pretty successful mm-hmm. horror movie, which I wasn't really expecting. Like I didn't think mm-hmm. it'd be as good as it was. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a pretty solid film. Like I do think it goes a little quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I was kind of surprised at how quickly I forgot how quickly it ended um, mm-hmm. when things actually got going. Uh, but yeah, overall I really enjoyed it. I kind of <coughs> the fact that he, um, Harry was not Harry. Uh, What's his name? This Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Christopher was was added <laughs> in this one. Makes a lot uh-huh. more sense now, though. Um, yeah. But I didn't actually think it was that bad, though. I think having him there. I think it actually. It's interesting that you say that because I feel like there is kind of like a theme, or not a theme, but you can kind of read into the theme of the idea that like these men are outside, basically, like you know, like consistently interfering with the lives of these women and not really being able to do anything about it, and like just kind of mm. their the fact they don't really know what's going on. Um, oh, yeah. Think, and then you're also talking about the detective later on, too, and everything. Yeah, so. and like all that kind of okay, stuff. So, definitely. So I think that's like an interesting thing. We'll talk theme. about that when we get to that orphanage thing, because I definitely think that's a good one. Um, yeah, uh, overall, I liked it, too. I mean, it, it really... It's as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to explain what it is. Because Silent Hill has always... Like, you were talking about how you were always more of a Resident Evil fan... Silent Hill has always been more about psychological horror. It's never been about action, although, you know, you do have guns in Silent Hill, who you do have, you know, a little bit of combat here and there. It's not about the gameplay. Well, let me rephrase. It's not about the action. It's not about the tense feeling of, oh, do I have enough bullets to take down this monster? Silent Hill, you're constantly feeling overwhelmed all the time. You're constantly feeling disoriented. You're constantly feeling lost. Um, and the game does mess with you in many different ways. Like there are in Silent Hill 2, especially there are many different environments where it's basically this Euclidean layouts where you go downstairs and you go down way further than you have any right to. And then you come out on a lake and you're just like, wait a second, physically that doesn't make any sense at all. You're warping around the place. There are locked doors all over the place and there are unlocked doors and, it's basically Silent Hill designed to disorient you. It's designed to make you feel lost, and that's where a lot of the horror comes from. And another fun fact, too, uh, draw distance in the very first game. That's the reason why a lot of 
early era PlayStation 1 games either have some sort of fog or night or some sort of culling where you can't see stuff far in the distance because the PlayStation didn't have enough memory for it. The original PlayStation, uh, the designers at Konami decided, hey, you know what? Why don't instead of just, you know, having stuff drop out when they get far away, why don't we add a little fog effect so we can say the entire town is covered in fog, and that way we can hide the draw distance so we don't have to render as much stuff on the screen, which was probably one of the best instances of draw distance rendering I've ever seen in a video game. Like, that was an amazing solution and really helped with the claustrophobia, too. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. All right. Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, it's definitely feels like a greatest hits of a lot of the Silent Hill themes and stuff. It's a lesser adaptation of everything. Like, they use the soundtrack comes entirely from the video games. There's not a single original song in here that was written for the movies. They all hodgepodge the different soundtrack uh, tracks from a variety of games and put it into the movie. The ending theme is the ending song from Silent Hill 3. That's awesome. Um, a lot of the characters, Sybil, Lisa, um, they're all um, characters taken directly from the games, but put in the movie and kind of led to deal their whole thing. The only wholly original characters in there are um, Rose De Silva, who's our protagonist, um, who basically fills the roles of, Sil- um, of Harry Mason, and then her husband and all the guy stuff that's added later on. That's not in the original games either. But yeah, um, like I said, it's this movie really does kind of feel like a lesser greatest hits version of Silent Hill. Like they took a whole bunch of ideas and they meshed them together, and it worked okay. Um, I liked the movie overall. I really didn't think they could do any better with it unless they decided an entirely original film set in Silent Hill that doesn't have any of it. But um, as far as a little reimaging of the first game, you could do a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So let's get this started. Yeah. Um, so the movie starts off, our very first scene, are, we're introduced to our two protagonists, Rose and Christopher De Silva, and Christopher De Silva played by Sean Bean, Rose played by Rada Mitchell, and their daughter has been experiencing some severe nightmares, sleepwalking, all of that stuff, and she's been leaving her bed, and more importantly, leaving her house as well, and then they wake up and they realize, oh shit, our daughter is missing. Um, the daughter's name is Sharon. Mm. So the, Sharon's missing, and they run out. They run across a highway. They're trying to find her, and eventually they do find her by the edge of a cliff. Who and she looks like she's in some sort of trance, and she's sleepwalking, and she's about ready to fall off. Um, so Sharon, or not Sharon, uh, Rose comes on over, grabs her husband, comes on over later on. They all hold her down as Sharon screams out, "Silent Hill, Silent Hill!" over and over and over and over again. And we get that she has some sort of connection to the town, but we have no idea what that could be real quick. Um, Christopher thinks that their daughter is crazy and she needs a lot of mental help and stuff is going on with her that they can't possibly solve. We also find out that she has adopted and they, Sharon is not their biological daughter. 
Rose is at odds with him, saying, no, he's, uh, or she's saying Silent Hill, Silent Hill, Silent Hill, something's going on with Silent Hill. We need to take her there, and we need to figure out what it is so she can get closure on whatever this episode is that she's handing out. And Sean Bean goes, no, that's a terrible idea. We're going to die. Trust me. I'm Sean Bean. I die all the time. And then Rose goes, no, 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 that's fine. Say that for the sequel. Yeah, say that for the sequel. (laughs) So uh, Rose eventually kidnaps. Is that the right word? Yeah, basically. Because I feel like they just jump from that conversation to Rose and her sitting in a field being like, oh, yeah, we're going without Sean Bean. Yeah. uh Yeah, so uh, she she takes her daughter and, without her husband's permission, um, you go, girl, goes to Silent Hill. Um, and they stop at a gas station to ask for directions because no one knows where it is. And this is where one of the big deviations from the film, from the games, occur, which I actually really, really liked. Um, so have you heard of Centrilla, Pennsylvania? No. Okay. Centrilla, Pennsylvania, this is an actual place. Um it is a ghost town, and I'm going to pull it up right now because I want to make sure I get all these facts right. I'm a teacher. I need to make sure. So Centrilla is a ghost town. Um, it currently has less than – actually, it has seven residents in 2013. Holy crap. <laughs> so what it was, it was a coal mining town, and the coal fire in 1962 was ignited um, under the town. So basically, it's a whole town where this massive coal fire is just burning constantly, filling the streets up with smoke. And it's still burning today. Um, And that is the inspiration for the Silent Hill version in this town right here. Because we find out, as Rose talks to the waitress at the gas station, or the attendant at the gas station, that... The, the Silent Hill used to be a coal mining town, and the fires are still burning, and no one goes that way anymore. No how, no way. So that's uh, that right there. I kind of like this change. It kind of gives its own spin on things, and especially the real-life inspiration from the actual town of Centrella. Mm. Great setting for Silent Hill, because I remember on the Game Facts message boards, when people started learning about this town of Centrella, they were saying, oh man, it's just like Silent Hill with all the fog and the smoke and everything like that. <laughs> And with the monster design later on, when they change up some stuff, I do like how they incorporate a lot of this coal and this tar into the imagery, especially when it transforms into the other world Silent Hill. So that's pretty cool. Hmm. So that's right there. So um, we're introduced to our other main female character at this point, who is Sybil. And why don't you talk about that one, Andrew? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, um, so after um, Rose and Sharon uh, are on the road, they pull over to uh, to the gas station where, uh, as Dan just mentioned, they get that information about Silent Hill. Um, and Sharon has kind of a fit. Uh, she basically draw, draws all over one of her pictures um, but doesn't remember doing it. So she has these kind of crayon pictures or charcoal pictures, and they're basically all covered over in black. So she's asking her mom, like, who did this or why would I do this? Uh-huh. I don't remember doing this. Um, and... Uh, Sybil sees this and kind of comes over and wants to check things out. Um, uh, so she does that while um, Sharon is inside talking. Not Sharon. Rose is inside talking uh, to the people. Um, and the way Sharon like draws these pictures and the way she says Silent Hill over and over and over again when she's having this episode, it reminds me a lot of the Nintendo advertisement movie The Wizard. Remember that one? Oh, God, The Wizard, Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but it was just basically a huge advertisement for Super Mario 3 and the autistic boy who's just saying, California, over and over and over and over again. Yeah. 
basically that share and accept it replace California with Silent Hill. I like it. Anyway, let's go see it. Yeah. So and I can't remember if anything else happens. I feel like they just peel out of there basically. Like, um, yeah. And then and then that and then Sybil decides to follow her anyway, just because she's a little concerned because she thinks that. Um, Something's going on because she thinks that Sharon didn't act like she was really happy in the car with her mother. Um, yeah, Sybil definitely, I think she says stuff like, hey, do you know this person who's driving you? And she basically insinuates and is trying to figure out, have you been kidnapped? Is that, you know, you're, that really your mom? Because mm-hmm. she's very, very suspicious, which doing her job. Yeah. Miss Sybil. Good job. Um, yeah. And so they're, they're driving down the road and uh, Sybil calls up behind them in her uh, motorbike. Um, and so Rose pulls over, um, and then as Sybil gets out of her, gets off her motorcycle and starts coming up, basically just floors it and drives away, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of interesting. Cause I feel like had she just handled it better and been like, Hey, this is my daughter. We're going on a trip. Something's up with her. She could have driven away pretty easily. Yeah. Cause Sybil had nothing to pull her over for, mm-hmm. but she just made it like 20 times worse and just yeah. flew off there. Like it, yeah, most definitely. It's like I feel like they're they're trying to get you to side with her and what she does, but all I could think was just like, why the fuck did you just do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think um, maybe the only thing I can argue against that one is Rose is just feeling very desperate, and she's just like, oh god, the police are going to pull me over. Oh, and that's another thing because at this point her card's been declined. Yeah. So possibly her husband may have reported her as a kidnapping or something like that. So maybe her husband would have been, hey, could you could put out an APB for this girl? Oh, Sherry. maybe, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. So that would, that would, yeah. So that's probably what happened right there. That makes sense, yeah. Um, so I do want to touch on Sybil is a character from the video games, and she pretty much has the same personality there, too. Oh. She's kind of the supporting character who kind of helps out Harry Mason as... He navigates through the town of Silent Hill, going back and forth. And eventually, uh, first, she's very suspicious of him, but eventually grows to understand and accept him. So she pretty much fills the same role, too. Um, so Rose drives over this misty bridge and enters the town of Silent Hill and gets in a car crash uh, because this small child wanders onto the road. And so when she wakes up, her daughter is completely missing. Mm. So she starts wandering on through. And once again, as I'm geeking out about this, this is a complete homage to the very opening scene of Silent Hill where Harry Mace is doing the exact same thing, attacked by creatures. And then you do die and wake up in a diner. Um, but pretty much a very similar thing happens right there. She's walking through the town of Silent Hill, shrouded in heavy fog, and there's ash falling all over too, which going back to the coal mine and the fires under the town, I thought that was a wonderful addition. Mm. Um, just wandering around and just being covered with ash the whole time and thinking to yourself, oh God, what is this ash from? Um, so she's screaming, Sharon, Sharon, where are you? Where are you? Heads on into a dark alley and... She finds a corpse strapped up to a fence in what I would call firefighter gear. Uh, it's like a biohazard mask, isn't it? Like, is that uh-huh. what it is? Yeah. But firefighter it's gear makes sense, of, though. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's some Wait, sort of protective. Is it coal mining gear? I think it is, actually. Let me uh, pull this up. Like that, that makes sense. The mask makes sense, then. Yeah, yeah, I think it is cold mining gear. Um, yeah, so this guy, he is dressed in complete mining gear, just protective mining gear, and he's strung up Jesus-style on the fence with his arms splayed wide and just covered in wires back and forth. 
And then he starts moving, and holy shit, he's alive. When all of a sudden, these little ashen children come on up and kind of manifest themselves around Sharon. And we get this really, really creepy scene where all these kids just slowly start to swarm um, Rose as she basically just tries to grab away from them. She goes into a little diner, falls on over, they start grabbing at her ankles, they grab at her legs, they grab at her hands, everything like that, and then she passes out. And when she wakes up, she finds herself in foggy Silent Hill in a bowling alley. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But but it's, it's light out again then, right, at that point? Yes. yes. Um, so that's one of the big things, and this is a big mechanic from the game, too. The town of Silent Hill can shift between what we call, uh, what, what we Silent Hill-ologists call Foggy Silent Hill and the other Silent Hill. And going back and forth between the two is usually at a very pivotal moment in the games where Foggy Silent Hill is still dangerous. There's still monsters roaming around, but Otherworld Silent Hill, that is when shit gets real. And that is when the real bosses come out. That's when the real story beats hits and uh, stuff happens right there. But this town has just been shifting between the two realities, basically. Hmm. Sharon, or not Sharon, I keep calling her Sharon. Rose is just like... God, what's going on with this town? And she decides to head on back out to the place she came on in, that bridge. And what happens there, Andrew? Um, so, so she goes back to her bridge, and um, this woman appears behind her. She's kind of this old, big, draggled lady. I'm actually made this, is this before the bridge? No, this is the bridge. Um, uh, yeah, it's before the bridge. Okay, so she's, on, so she's on her way back towards the bridge. And this old uh, lady appears behind her and starts uh, talking about how her daughter, Alyssa, had all these bad things happen to her. Um, and, uh, so she shows her, uh, her, her, what do you call that thing? A locket? A pendant? Uh, yeah, pendant. Yeah, she, she, she's a pendant, and, and, um, and she's like, yeah. and she shows, um, the picture to her, because she's like, hey, I'm looking for my daughter, can you, like, this is what she looks like, and the woman, like, freaks out and tries to say it, mm-hmm. or take it, saying, like, uh, this is mine, it belongs to me, um, so Rose kind of has to fight her off and run away, um, mm-hmm. and then that's when I believe she runs back towards, uh, the bridge, yeah. yes. Yeah, so we got uh, we got uh, Dahlia, who is basically our bag lady of the film. She is disheveled. She her makeup makes her look about seventy years older than she actually is. She does share a name with a character from the first game, oh. but honestly, the characters are completely different. So I'm not going to go any further than that, other than the fact that it was just like, "Hey, game players, <laughs> here's your character," and we're like, "No, no, she's not." But anyway, we head on back to the bridge, and we run into Sybil again. Yeah, Sybil. Uh-huh. So what happens there? So Sybil finds her. Um, so she goes back into her, um, into the car and starts looking around, and she finds these uh, drawings of Sharon's. Um, and one of them is the school that's kind of like all crossed out. She's just like, oh, I'm going to go to the school. Uh, but before she does that, Sybil kind of appears. Uh, she gets in the car to kind of get into the, to go to see um, her daughter. Um, and when she's trying to drive away, Sybil appears with her gun, and it's like, yo, get out of the car. You're crazy. Um, mm-hmm. he starts arresting her, and then, um, and as she does, um, they, uh, she starts to, the cop tries to, like, hail on the walkie-talkie looking for help. Um, we kind of learn that basically she basically just crashed, um, after, uh, Sharon crashed, or, mm-hmm. no, Rose crashed. Yeah. Um, good. Um, so... They start walking back towards uh, try to leave, uh, and it turns out that, that that bridge they were on just ends in a giant ravine. So where they are currently, this Silent Hill world has no bridge anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And as that happens, uh, Sharon's phone—not Sharon, goddammit, 
Rose's phone just starts <laughs> going static, which I believe is something from the game, wasn't it? Didn't you have like a radio in the game that would static? Yes. So in the games, you do have a radio, um, and that basically is your radar system. Whenever the radio starts going off, then you know that the enemy is close, and the louder the static gets, the closer the enemy is. And it's, once again, just this psychological horror involved of you know hearing your radio going off and then not knowing where the enemy is. It's just... <coughs> Okay, so I was trying to do the mwah sound, and then I coughed halfway through. No, I think that was a lot more appropriate. Sick boy. Okay, so that's exactly what happened right there. So it started off with like a mwah, and then I felt like I was throwing up. So yes, and this is when we get our next. Does come from the games? Okay. That does come from the games. Yeah, that's one of the few things I do remember about Uh the game. (laughs) Um, Yes, (laughs) and then there we get our second monster, um, Mm -hmm. which is uh, awesome. Uh, I really, I really like this monster. Like, I actually was kind of impressed with the CG in this movie. Um, actually, I think that was actually mostly practical. I believe with some CG added. Um, mm-hmm. and actually, I think that a lot of this movie is actually practical. Aside from the babies and the bugs and stuff, I think a lot of this is practical. Yeah. Um, and it's like this armless creature with this big like hole in its chest, um, and it's like chest, its ribs like pulsating. Um, it's like mm-hmm. dripping out this black fl- uh, liquid. Um, yes. And it ends up uh, basically spraying some kind of acid, not like. Super strong acid, but some kind of corrosive agent mm-hmm. um, onto Sybil. So she, mm-hmm. like, freaks out and, like, rips off her helmet, where we get to see that she has a really cool haircut. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Awesome haircut. Good job, Sybil. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She's got a, that pixie cut. She's rocking. Yeah, she's killing it. Um, and so while she's doing that, Rose is like, okay, shit, let me get out of here. So she basically books uh-huh. it towards the school. Yes, and I want to pause here for a second and talk about the creature design in this movie. Because... Yeah. Uh, this is where I am going to get the most nitpicky about this movie whatsoever and kind of why I think to myself, all right, I understand why they included it in there for its fan service and that's that. So pretty much every single design in this game, except for Colin the janitor, which we're going to find out in just the next scene, um, every single one of them comes from the game in some way. So what this... um, this one comes from Silent Hill 2 specifically. And a couple of the other creatures that come on later, the children come from Silent Hill 1. The nurses, especially near the climax of the film, they are um, from Silent Hill 2. And then Pyramid Head, who's our big kind of baddie of this film, um, he's from Silent Hill 2 as well. And one of the things I always loved about the games is how they took the creature design and connected it to the themes of the story as well. And I'm going to spoil the shit out of Silent Hill 2, so if you're listening and still want to play the game... Um, don't listen, skip ahead to whatever, I don't know, skip ahead 10 minutes or so. Um, so basically, Silent Hill 2 is about this guy named James Sunderland, and his wife passes away of some damn disease a few years ago. And then he gets a letter um, that basically says, hey, I'm alive, I'm in this town called Silent Hill, come and find me. Which is the exact same thing I did at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> so he goes on over, and basically it's the psychological horror is we slowly realize that James is not as perfect a husband as we are originally led to believe. And the town is torturing him for that. So he meets this one character whose name is Maria, who looks exactly like his wife, except she's dressed in a miniskirt and a very tight top. And she's just very, very sexy. And then we go to the hospital and we've got these sexy demonic nurses. And there's literally an enemy that's just a, pair of legs stacked on top of another pair of legs and then we find out in one of the core themes at the very very end of the game is that James lost it um, when his wife died his wife 
whatever disease took her, her body was so disfigured, her body was so just really ugly that he was extremely, extremely sexually frustrated because he loved his wife, he thought she was beautiful, and the sexuality, this uncomfortable sexuality, is a huge part of that game. Um, and there are a couple letters later on in the game when James expresses his frustration at that. So a lot of the enemies in the designs they took from these games establish some sort of theme. Like, I'm just going to zone in on the nurses later on. They're dressed in these very scantily clad outfits, and they're demons, basically. Um, but it represents James's lust for the nurses who worked at the hospital when his wife was dying. And that's one thing Silent Hill has always been really, really good about, is taking those character designs and connecting them to the theme of the story, or at least some sort of aspect of the story. And on this one, in the movie... And I know this is super, super nitpicky because I really like the designs. It's not really connected at all. Yeah. It's just, hey, this monster design looks cool. Let's toss it in right here. So, yeah. That's my soapbox. I'm done. Yeah, well, I, 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 I feel like in this movie, it's like... I feel like everything's supposed to be a reflection of Alessa in some way. Mm-hmm. Instead of, of the characters, which is weird. Yeah. Because like, I'm, like, I'm trying to think of what they would be, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have, like, the coal mining aspect into it, too. Like, there's a lot of, you know, they're made of ash, or they're moving around back and forth, um, like a miner. Um, but other than that, I don't know, I, I just don't feel it's as strong as it was in the game. Yeah. But once again, it's, going back to what I said originally, It's a, I really like this movie. It's as good as it could have been, really, all things considered. And as a Silent Hill, I mean, there's just little bits here and there that are just fan service, like... Pyramid Head, I'll get to him later, but it's it's how it goes. Yeah. So anyway, let's head on over to the school. Um, so she uses bus signs to um, blah, blah, blah. while Sibber's shooting at this monster, Rose takes that second to run him back into the town. Um, she slips the handcuffs in front of her, and she uses the bus signs to find Midwich Elementary School, which was one of the locations from the first game. Once again, tossing that in there, and she thinks that's where her daughter is hiding. Um, so as she's going through the school, she's getting a couple flashbacks to the town, and she's seeing this girl who looks exactly like her daughter, Sharon, um, only this one is called Alessa. And these kids are kind of going around Alessa and throwing books at her and calling her a witch with a W, and just does not seem like the most popular kid in school at this point. And I'm just like, God, these kids are jerks. Yeah, the dicks. I know. I wonder if Sabrina had to put up with that shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, so she enters the bathroom. And this is the most. This is the most video game scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, there's a janitor right there, uh, wrapped in barbed wire, and he's got this contortionist thing where he's got his legs pulled up behind him, and it's hitting the back of his head. And there's a hotel keychain in his mouth. It's like, hey, there's a key item right here in his mouth. So Rose takes the keychain, and she's about to head on out to one of these really strange suited figures wearing these mining equipment, just like our boy on the fence at the very beginning of the Silent Hill episode are wearing as well. Um, they spot her, and then they start to chase her, and she takes the keys she just got and locks the bathroom door. And the siren comes on in. And the siren in the games 
always, always, always signal the transition between Foggy Silent Hill and the other Silent Hill. So at this point, 18-year-old Dan was sitting in his seat next to a 12-year-old brother, rubbing his hands, going, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) Um, And the place goes completely dark. Rose switches on her flashlight, and the bathroom physically begins to change. Like, the walls just start peeling off and revealing grates. It degenerates like it's aging 500 years in 10 seconds. Um, And then the body of that janitor, which his name is Colin, he has a name, um, is crawling across the floor, and he's still wrapped in this barbed wire. So Rose says, oh, hell no, and runs on out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, and we get to Mr. Sean Bean. So Sean Bean is basically studying Silent Hill at this point, And he's just like, oh, God, this is where my wife took our daughter. It's super dangerous. No one ever goes there. And we get our B-plot, which is him going to the police saying, hey, my wife is kidnapped our daughter and she's going to Silent Hill. And them going, yeah, no one goes to Silent Hill anymore, but if you want, I'll take you along. And you can see to yourself, no one goes to Silent Hill anymore. So, um, what did you, I guess, think of this whole subplot? I kind of liked it. Like, again, I thought that idea of the futility of what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. um, is kind of nice. And I think that it's, like, I I like that I I, I like, I don't know, if you think of it as, like, a feminist film, I think that the idea that, like, you know, it's, if you think of it as like a personal mother-daughter kind of story and these guys don't really know what's going on the, on the outside, I kind of like it. Um, yeah. And they're just kind of, you know, flailing around trying to figure out what's going on. Like, Sean Bean refuses to, like, you know, he, he solves in the way he knows and doesn't kind of think to, to like, I don't know, accept her point of view or her reasoning. So he's, and as a result, is kind of punished to be separated from them. Like, I almost like the, the idea of their separation, we already kind of see. Like, that you know, the marriage is already separated and because of... Uh, Sharon, and so I think that's just like it's just a further divide, and we see it more and more throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Every time they're, I mean, the one scene they're together at the very beginning of the movie, um, I, I really didn't get the impression that they care for each other at all. I, I, I feel like Sean Bean is just really frustrated. Yeah. Uh, he's at his he's at his rope's end at this point, right there, and he just doesn't know what else to do to support his wife and his daughter. Um, so it already sets things very, very tense. And uh, but, but, but what was I going to say? Um, I, this subplot does feel tacked on because it was, but I do like the feeling of cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. It adds to the whole film. Um, you know, cosmic horror is about being affected by things you can't possibly begin to understand. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And nine times out of ten, or honestly, probably ten times out of ten. If you try and fight it, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. That's what the Cthulhu is all about. That's what H.P. Lovecraft wrote about. And for the most parts, that's what the games are about, too. Um, every game has multiple endings, and most of them are very, very depressing. But this guy trying to understand Silent Hill, and we get a little backstory about the town of how it used to be a coal town, and there was an underground coal fire, and they just kind of closed the whole town off. Um you know, we get a little bit of backstory on it, but it does help with the futility of it because every single time 
Sean Bean slash Christopher De Silva and this police officer explore the story a little bit more, things become to seem more and more and more hopeless. Well, um, and, and what I like too is like I feel like as you watch the movie, you expect the police officer to take a turn. Like I feel like I kept expecting like yeah, it's been a while since I saw it. So I kept expecting him to do something to like be like oh I was involved in the killing like and he was but not you know in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like I expected yeah. there'd be some dark twist that he was like one of the people and da da da. But he's really just like. He's just, like, a beaten-down victim of what happened. And, like, yes. he's somebody who tried to do the best that he could, and at this point it's just like, hey, man, like, don't mm-hmm. don't get on this train. Like, mm-hmm. which I really liked. I, like, I don't think you see that character in movies a lot. You see, like, the crazy person or the person who fucked things up and is all like that. And yeah. he's, like, a very... You see the Dahlias. You don't see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't see this well-composed guy who's just, like, literally trying to do the best thing he can and, try, you know, is obviously fucked up by what happened. But is still trying yeah. to survive, and it's like you know he has like a, he jokes about it and stuff, but he's kind of just like yeah, like I was there, and this is what happened, and like I'm gonna it was messed yeah, up. Like, I'm gonna be real you, man. Like nobody lives here. My father used to own this place, and like now it's shit, and like I'm sorry that your mm-hmm. wife's there, but like I don't know what to do. Like yeah, I, I really liked that character, and uh, what we learned about him at the end kind of made me like even more uh, for kind of who he is because mm-hmm. I kept I just kept waiting like in my mind I was like God damn it, you guys are making it so obvious this guy's a bad guy, and then when he wasn't, I was like oh shit, mm-hmm. yeah, cool stuff. So yeah, um, after that, uh, Rose uh, is still trapped in this other world, and she starts escaping the school. Um, At this point, her and Sean Bean actually cross paths, Mm. but because she's trapped in this other Silent Hill, they're in the same area, but they're not, or they're in the same physical space, but they're not in the same dimension or world or whatever you want to call it. There's this really cool cut shot where exact same camera angle focuses on Sean Bean, then it focuses on um, Rose, and they just walk right past each other without even realizing mm-hmm. it. Um, but what happens is Rose starts escaping the school, and bugs come on up from all over, which kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, there were bugs in the games, but yeah, crawlers, not to creepers, this extent. Or yeah, it reminded me a lot of uh, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Dude, so Those good. Little bugs. Yeah, scarabs? Yeah, that guy needs to make a comeback. The scarabs, uh. yep. Yeah. Um, and the scarabs are attacking these miners that were chasing Rose before. Um, so it's very much a enemy of my enemy at this point. Uh, doesn't Rose, like, at one point yell out and say, hey, get out of here, or something like that, or tries to help them? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, 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 as just as Rose thinks she can't go on any longer, Sybil comes on in and saves her. Um, she's been dragged into this other Silent Hill with Rose as well. Actually, um, and, I just got here yeah. one for a second. Um, so I know we talked about, um, the, we talked about, uh, sorry, I just said back when she's running away. Because um, like uh-huh. she, because Rose, uh, like Rose finds all the, all the corpses, the bugs start coming out, um, the Max guys get attacked, um, and she yeah. like leans on this grate and like falls through it before the cop comes. Um, but then we kind of get this thing of where we cut to uh, Sean and them walking through the school in the real world. Um, yes. And then Pyramid Head comes out the door. Uh, but right but uh, right as Pyramid, or after Pyramid Head comes out the door, um, we get a cut to Sean doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, like, part of me kind of wondered if Pyramid Head was supposed to be, like, talk about connections, if Pyramid Head was supposed to be Sean. Mm-hmm. Because like, we, we do get a, a lot of cuts during this scene of Pyramid Head and Sean, like, doing the same actions or doing the roughly the same idea. Hmm. And if you're talking about kind of aggression and stuff and his character being that masculine aggression, the masculine kind of not buying into what's going on, like not being, yeah, um, I don't know, not accepting of what, what the two are doing. 
And if we kind of yeah. think of this as Alessa slash Sharon's nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Did you, did you get pick up on that at all? Like, I, was, I never picked up on it until this time where I kind of saw it. Like, is that Sean? Like, this scene in particular, I could definitely see making an argument for it. Um, I'd have to take a look back and just see because I don't remember any other times when Sean Bean and aside from the ending when they actually cross paths and fill the exact same physical space. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I don't yeah. think he does any other, any other times. But I wonder if it was setting him up to be Sean, and then like when he leaves, like Pyramid still encompasses that idea. Uh huh. Yeah, possibly. And once again, it kind of goes back to the whole all the themes of the monsters are kind of all over the place in this movie. Because um, once again, geeking out here. So in Silent Hill Two, um, <laughs> so once again, Silent Hill Two, James Sunderland, dead wife, gets a letter, goes back to Silent Hill. Um, one of the twists later on we find out is that they actually, James and her, or his husband, or her wife, James and his wife actually did go to Silent Hill for a family vacation before the town was overrun by cultists. Oh. Um, and they had a lovely time. It was very, very nice. But at one time they went to the historical society and there was this painting of an executioner's outfits and the executioner's would execute people with a big knife and they would wear these huge helmets shaped like pyramids. And that image really, really stuck in James's mind and he was honestly terrified of that picture, which is why Pyramid Head, he made his first appearance in Silent Hill 2 and he's kind of been the poster boy for the series from that point forward. Um, but Pyramid Head in the games, at the very, very least, is very, very much a personal demon for James. Mm. He represents basically everything wrong with James, every sin he's ever committed. And one of the pivotal moments at the end of the movie, at the end of the game is James physically overcoming those sins through battling pyramid head. Um, So in this one, yes, maybe there is a little bit of, you know, pyramid head could represent how Rose and, uh, Sean Bean's marriage is falling apart. I really would like what they would explore that a little bit more because, Honestly, this scene felt a little bit fan service Oh, I agree. I, I think it <laughs> um, completely was. Yeah, so I really wish they'd kind of taken that and put a whole spin on it, because, you know, I was originally one of those people who was just like, Pyramid Head shouldn't be in here because it's very much a Silent Hill 2 thing, but Pyramid Head came back for so many other Silent Hill games after yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. They're just like, uh, you know what, sure, why Just, not? just wait until you see the why second not? movie, and they, they shove him in your face even more. Oh, jeez. Yep. So that's that. So, yeah, uh, Pyramid Head comes on out, and Pyramid Head is a burly dude that would put the rocks to shame. And he is has this big metal grated pyramid on his head, and he carries a big-ass knife, like torso-to-leg knife. It is massive. And he slowly stalks these two women. Um, eventually, they go into a storeroom, and I do like this scene. Um where it's they lock the door, they bar it with the metal bar, and things are very cold for a while, very calm, and then all of a sudden this knife just comes shearing through the door like a hot knife through yeah, the butter, and they basically have to go back and dodge this knife if there's a tiny little room, and they're just like, there's no hope of escaping whatsoever, and they're only saved by the bell as the siren comes on in and goes back into the fog world, which... Honestly, it's very much like the games. Yeah. I did so, like how, uh, how, uh, how Pyramid Head was thinking. Like, he wasn't just a bloke. Like, I, I was just an idiot. Like, he, he shoves the knife through, moves back and forth, and then widens the gap so his arm can fit through and he can pull open the bar. Like, he's like... Yep. 
it's not just like a crazy monster like he's thinking, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We still don't know exactly what he wants besides these two women dead, but you know, it's he's yeah. Yeah, he's he's intelligent at the very, very least. And I, I absolutely love this monster's design. I just I wish they would have fit him in the movie a little bit better instead of saying, Hey, here's Pyramid Head. Um but once again, eighteen year old Dan in the movie theater next to a twelve year old brother, I was flipping my shit at this point. I was looking at my brother and going, It's Pyramid Head, oh my god, this scene's amazing. Ah. Did, did so, you yeah. notice that the bugs had human faces on them? Yes. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was like a really nice design. Yeah. It was like really fucking creepy. Like at first I was like, oh, they're just bugs. Yeah. That's kind of stupid. And they're like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> they have like faces and they're like moving. And it's like, oh. Ugh. Yep. Uh-huh. Creepy. So got that stuff right there. And then once again, um, so after that, uh, the fog world goes back, or it goes back into the fog world, which is, again, very, very much like the games where you have this very intense moment and then you're saved by the bell and you get the impression that, oh, the town doesn't really want you dead just yet. It's just looking to torture mm-hmm. you. Um, so I thought that was good pacing and very true to the games. So uh, we cut back to Christopher slash Sean Bean, and he has broken into the archives and he's trying to find out exactly what's going on with this town. Um, he finds out about the fire again, and he finds out that the entire town was abandoned. And then he also finds a photo of this woman named Dahlia's daughter, who looks just like Sharon. Um, and the officer comes along, Officer Gucci, which I just realized in his name. That's his name? Jesus Christ. Officer Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, and he basically... He goes to the... Or- well, I'm sorry, it comes later. Uh, Christopher goes to the orphanage where Sharon was adopted and the officer's waiting for him right there. And he's basically told, listen, cut this out, leave it alone. If your wife comes back, great. If not, we're not we're not continuing this any longer. Well, um, you-, you either go home or you, I arrest you. Well, we get an interesting scene too where Christopher's like, hey, uh, you know, Sharon, I adopted her from this place. And the doc and the uh, the police officer was like, "Wait, I didn't think she survived." So like he didn't yeah. know, like nobody knew that she get, nobody knew that she got adopted, and like people like were just like, "I thought Sharon like I thought Sharon passed away," which is kind of hard mm-hmm. for later. Which I kind of, I kind of like that that lead in there that I think it yeah foreshadows what comes up later. Yeah, definitely. Once again, you know, he's the character that's just kind of beaten down, and he knows that shit is fucked, and it just is what it is. Mm. So. Um, so we're back to Rose and Sybil, and they basically are exploring the town a little bit more, and they arrive at the Grand Hotel, where they find a religious woman named Anna, who is scavenging. And we get the first semblance that, oh, there are actual, there's a little bit of a society of people living here. Um, so they find a secret passage to what appears to be some sort of chamber, um, and... Rose, for the very first part, time encounter, or for the second time, if you count the car crash at the beginning, encounters Alessa, who is the dark version of her daughter Sharon. And Alessa bursts into flames, says, Look, I'm burning. <laughs> and it's one of those where the little girl tries to be creepy, and I don't know. I Have you ever, like, come across a film where, like, the kid being creepy actually, like, really unnerved you. Like, like, I was actually creeped out by the kid? Yes. Not, like, maybe, um, maybe the original Pet Cemetery. And it didn't really uh-huh. unnerve me, it's just that he gets, some guy gets stabbed in the kill his with a pencil, and that fucking kills me, or, like, yeah. that, that, that. Uh-huh. But I don't think the kid himself scared me. 
Yeah, I don't think it really works very well. I, I don't know if I could ever be creeped mm-hmm. out by a kid like that. I feel like, no, I don't know. That doesn't. Yeah, it just it, it comes off very ham fisted, like, and, and I'm not a huge fan of the acting for this girl either. I don't so. think she does a good job. No. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that's that. So right now. Rose realizes that there's two girls who look just like Sharon wandering around Silent Hill. We've got Sharon, and then we've got this dark Sharon, or dark Alessa, I think is what she's officially called, but um, played by the same actress. There's some sort of connection between the two. Anna basically says, hey, siren's going off. We need to get in the church. It's the only place where it's safe. Um, and she leads all of them to the local church where they meet a whole bunch of other churchgoers who are basically frantically trying to get in the church before the town turns down over to the other Silent Hill. Um, Dahlia's on the steps, the crazy woman who has the daughter who looks just like Sharon, and she's speaking in parables at this point and goes, don't come on in, don't go into the church. They are deceiving wolves in the skins of sheep. And Rose sits down and says, listen, you seem to know a lot more about my daughter than you let on. Why does Sharon look like Alessa? Is Alessa dead? Where is Alessa? And Dahlia, once again, speaking in parables, says, evil wakes in vengeance. Be careful what you choose. We're just like, guy, <laughs> can you just talk straight for a second? It's like in Mystery Men, the... Um, the, the, the mentor figure from Mystery Men who just talks and like riddles the whole time and then Ben Stiller goes dude just straight oh, yeah. sentences please uh-huh yeah um Anna decides to spend her time by throwing rocks at Dahlia um so she stones Dahlia a little bit and she Sybil and Rose decide to run out into the church but Anna just decides to keep tossing rocks at Dahlia and I remember like she picks up one rocks, toss it, and then all of a sudden it starts changing. And at this point, she was just like, oh, I should probably go. But she picks up another rock at this point and then tosses it back at Dahlia. Um, and it's just like, come on, yeah. girl. Come on. Come on. Well, Pyramid Head comes on up, manifests himself right behind Dahlia, and we get one of the cooler kills in the movie. And I was not expecting that. I don't think anybody was. The very first time I saw it. Oh, God. Tell me. Tell me, Andrew. Oh, all right. Well, he, he grabs her. Um... Anna, or Anne, and uh, lifts up one hand, and then with the other hand, I don't even know how he does this. Well, we see him, like, grab her chest and kind of, like, twist, and you see all the flesh kind of, uh-huh. like, you know, wrinkle up, and then he just rips yeah. off her skin in one solid pull. Yeah. Like, impossible, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> you know, it's Silent Hill. It's, it's, you know, impossible stuff happens all the time in that one right there. Yeah, so she is literally, her entire skin is just completely ripped off, and it's an absolutely brutal mm-hmm. kill. And then um, Rose and Sybil run on into the church, and as they're closing the door, Pyramid Head tosses the skin at the door, and blood just kind of seeps in through the cracks and splays all over them. And it's just like, oh, God. Um, I remember my brother just side point telling me that he had nightmares about this scene <laughs> for a few days afterwards. And I was just like, yeah, that part, that's that makes sense. Right. Uh-huh. So uh, Rose and Sybil, they take their refuge in the church, and they find out that it is still foggy Silent Hill in there, but it's not other Silent Hill in there, and they discover that there are people still living here. It's a religious cult, and it's led by a woman named Christabella. And Christabella gives them a little more information about this town. They say a demon controls the town, and if Rose wants to find her daughter, she must face the darkness of hell. And Rose goes, 
can anyone in this town give me a straight answer? <laughs> My God. Absolutely. I would prefer silence to this. I know that's the name of the town, but God. Um, so eventually, Chris, she says, listen, I'm going to go face it. I want to face that demon. Um, they agree. And they say, sure, we'll take you to Brookhaven Hospital, which, once again, is another location from Silent Hill 2. So it's just like, hey, toss that in right there. Um, so they wait until Foggy Silent Hill comes on back up. They take all of them to the hospital, and basically Christabella is giving Rose all of this good information, saying, now listen, they're going to try and trick you. There's going to be demons down there. You're going to have to face all sorts of good stuff, uh, but you're going to have to, you know, persevere if you want to find your daughter again. And something happens. Does the locket fall down, or does someone grab the um, locket? So earlier, um, when they first got into the church, um, yes. Rose dropped the locket, and Christabella picked it up. And basically, when they're about to leave, you know, because this is a good, like, overall, Chris, at this point, Chris Bell is actually a pretty good person. She's a cult leader, but she's mm-hmm. being pretty nice. And she's like, hey. She's a nice yeah. person, yeah. She's no Jim Jones, just Yeah, she's, she's being really nice. And so, they're about yeah. to leave, and they had a nice interaction. She's like, hey, like, you know, I guess we've just been away from society so long that I just got used to taking things. So, she goes to give her back her locket that she, like, originally pocketed. And when she gives it mm-hmm. back to her, uh, she, like, opens it, and it opens up in her hand, and she looks at it, and she sees the picture of Sharon, who she identifies as Alessa. And then... She's like, yes. fuck it, this girl's a witch. We need to kill her. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she realizes, oh, the person she's looking for is Alessa. Um, these town people think that Alessa is a witch, and it's strongly implied at this point that these are the people who burned Alessa way back then for being a witch. Um, so they basically attack Rose and Sybil. And Sybil, badass cop she is, fends them off, basically shoves Rose into the elevator and goes... You say hi to Alessa for me. I'll fend these people off, and it shuts the door. Um, and Sybil puts up a pretty good fight, but eventually gets the shit beaten out of her. And and it's fucking brutal too. Like they beat the shit out of her oh, when she's yeah. down, then they just keep going, and they just like keep yeah, going. Yeah, and it's just like, fuck. Oh. and like, uh-huh. though, did you feel like why did why did she have to leave her? She could she could have done she could have like she beat the shit out of most of these people, and then she goes and there's this uh, I believe a flashlight or wrench blocking the door from closing, and she pulls it out. Mm-hmm. But she could have yeah. gone in and done that. Like, yeah, she could have gone. And it really could have, like, mm-hmm. like the it was a it was like it was a nice little sacrifice. It was a nice friendly move to make, but, but wasn't not at all. Because at that point, she knocked everybody down, and they were all kind of given her distance. She could have just slid in there and pulled it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know. And then, and then at that point, they would have given up. <laughs> the uh, people would have, like, you know, it's, it was kind of a poor choice there. Yep. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Sybil decides to make that decision. Um, So Rose goes on down, and she's in the hospital, and there's a hallway filled with nurses, which is, after Pyramid Head, is probably the number two enemy from the game that's very recognizable. And once again, in Silent Hill 2, which was the game where they first made this appearance of these sexy nurses, I think, were they in Silent Hill 1? I thought it was 2, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, they were definitely in two. I just don't know if they were in one as well. Yes, two was the very first one they were in. Yeah, so the monster design of Silent Hill 2, James encounters them in the hospital because when his wife was going through this disease and her body was literally deteriorating, he lusted after these nurses. And these 
sexy demon nurses wandering around in Silent Hill 2 is the town punishing him for, you know, saying, oh, you're coveting someone else who's not your wife, you sinner. Um, so this one is just, once again, kind of fan service tossing that in there, saying, hey, they're in a hospital. Here's some sexy nurses. Design's great. Like, they're really creepy looking, but yeah. Yeah, they, yeah they're well done. And I can't, I can't remember, like, uh-huh. they, like in the... Uh, so, so she starts going through them, try to go by them. But I can't remember. Does the light? Did, are they attracted to the light, or does the light freeze them? Um, they are attracted to the light. So what happens is she turns off the lights, and then the nurses just stop moving at all. Um, so what happens is she realizes this, and she turns the light off, and then just slowly moves on through. And like these. It's kind of like a senses thing. Like, she's moving on very sneakily. She's moving on very silently. She's trying to figure out exactly how best to navigate this mess of limbs in this very tight hallway. And eventually she bumps into one nurse. And the nurse pulls out a knife and then just slashes in front of her, which slashes another nurse, which starts this whole chain reaction where all these demon nurses are just kind of cutting each other up. And eventually, at the very end, she does turn the light on as she gets to the other side, drops it as a bait, and then just runs past the light. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're kind of attracted to the light, I guess. Okay. Yep. So that's that. Um, and then we reach Alessa, um, who is in her hospital room, and we realize the quote-unquote revelations of the movie. And why don't you tell us about that? All right, well... I mean, I'm sure I may I may have gone all these not necessarily the best, but so um so she comes back um so she's going in uh she kind of sees the hospital room and we kind of fall into uh, Alessa's memory as she tells her um uh-huh. kind of what happened um, and we learn that um, Alessa was this girl who um, was uh, raped I'm assuming by by a janitor or at least accosted by one. Uh, yeah, the town was not very kind to her. And that janitor was actually Carl the janitor from the school, the one she got the key yeah. from. Yeah, so it's like she was, yeah. like, molested by the janitor. Um, the, nobody liked her in the town. Uh, basically, everyone's calling her a witch already. Like, everyone's just blaming her for everything that was going wrong. Uh, and the reason why they called her a witch, um, was because she was a bastard. Yeah. Um, and not a jerk, but, like, you know, she literally did not have a father. Um, so that was why they all thought she was a witch and because this town was crazy. So that's that. Yeah. So they, um, so they end up, uh, bringing, taking her, uh, and, uh, bringing her to that room that we saw kind of, um, earlier in the film inside the, uh, the hotel with this big kind of like mm-hmm. hang great thing, which we now know, uh, was what Alessa was tied to. Um, and so they basically hang her over a fire as a way to kind of cast out the evil from inside of her. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately, uh, the thing, and we kind of get the impression that they weren't actually intending to burn her alive. They just kind of have her over the fire. Uh, but then yeah. the device holding her kind of breaks, and it knocks over the coals, mm-hmm. basically lighting the entire hotel on fire, um, and holding her in place while the fire around her rages. Um, yes. And so we basically learned that that's what happened to Alessa. Um, and I, I can't remember mm-hmm. when the cop comes and saves her. Is it after the fire goes out, or is it while the fire is still burning? I am not sure either, but at one point, yes, the cap does come on in and save her, and she is alive, but severely, severely burned, um, and regaled to the hospital. Yeah, and so basically, she spends, like, a lot of time just kind of as a burned corpse, almost, inside this hospital bed, and while she's there, her kind of anger and hate builds up, and eventually this kind of demon appears to her, and I, mm-hmm. I, I got the impression that the demon came to her, not that it was already inside of her. Yes. 
Yes, I yeah, agree. Yeah, so basically, like, these people created this girl who became susceptible to the demon because they mm-hmm. treated her so badly. So at that point, she uh, kind of accepts the demon into her and accepts that it's offering her this for revenge, which then kind of creates the Silent Hill we know today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we... So yeah. that's that. So she basically says, yo, demon, I want to fuck this town up. And this demon goes, well, let's do it, girl. Yeah, and, like, and, and the evil Alessa... Mm-hmm isn't actually Alessa, right? The evil Alessa that we see around is actually just the demon masquerading around, right? Because the, the Alessa is just yes. in the bed, mm-hmm. potentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alessa's in the bed. The demon, the dark Alessa, is the one masquerading around the town. But there's also a counterpoint to that, which is Sharon, who represents all the good and light and bubblegums and fairy drops that Alessa Yeah, so, yeah, so Sharon is uh-huh. actually, like, a, an offshoot of Alessa. Yeah, yes. Sharon, like Sharon is like her good that she like kind of exiled out of her because it couldn't coexist yep. with the with the demon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that. Um, so yeah, Sharon uh, and Rose and everyone like that. They basically just talk, and Rose learns everything about it, and then Rose goes, "Well, we're gonna have to deal with this cult situation then." Um, they're going to take Sharon. They're going to burn her just like they did to Alessa, and we cannot let that happen. So a rose strikes a deal with this demon, basically saying, all right, fine, I'll help you get revenge on the town because you cannot enter that church. I will get you in that church. But if you do that, then you have to give me my daughter back. And this demon says, absolutely. Well, well I, think, I think she also part of the deal is like, she, like well, I don't think she knows that she's going to bring her in necessarily, but I think she agrees that like, I'm going to go uh-huh. in, I'm going to tell them. And like, what, like, at this point, I believe she, she more or less says that Christabella brainwash them into believing what's mm-hmm. like, that, like, you know, they're the good and us is the evil. So she's like, what she promises to do is go and tell them what, what actually is going on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they murdered a child. They need to accept that fact. And that's why they're here. Um, mm-hmm. is what she kind of goes and does. Uh, and I don't think she knows what exactly is going to happen when that she's going to actually bring her in because like, mm-hmm. but she probably, she's getting the impression that's, uh, Alessa's going to kiss Yeah. Him. Like, so like, and, like, Basically. even Alessa like hugs her, and then she kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. And that's what we kind of... Yeah, definitely. And then we do get this really good scene. So it's another character. Just This is another fan service thing tossed in right there. Um, Lisa was a character from the very first game. And she was a nurse that Harry met at one point. And um, she was normal uh, when Harry first meets her. And as they kind of explore the town together for quite some time. And then eventually it's a really, really sad scene in the first game where Lisa um, gets infected by this demon and then she basically realizes that, oh shit, I'm under control of Silent Hill right now. And then she looks on over to Harry and she's crying blood just like this movie is right now. And then Harry has to basically, he doesn't want to kill her, so he locks the door and then just basically falls, collapses on the other side of the door and just cries as she's pounding on the door. Harry, Harry, let me out, please, Harry. Um... But that's the first game. This one, Lisa is the nurse that's been taking care of Alessa. And when Alessa made that deal with the demon and gained those powers, she accidentally hurt Lisa. And Lisa has been in there taking care of her for the past 30 years. And we get a zoom in on her face and she's crying blood and just looking all sorts of messed up. And it's a really good image. It's a really cool shot. I really like it. Yep. So let's head on back to the church. So Rose comes on back to the church, and Sybil 
at this point, unfortunately, has already been burned to death. They strap her to a ladder, and they basically slowly lower her onto a bonfire. And I remember I was really impressed by the makeup at this part because you can actually see Sybil's skin start to shrivel up layer by layer, and it's just... No, um, it was really effective. um, It was fucked up. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I remember how I said my little brother had nightmares at the Pyramid Head saying I had nightmares at that oh, fire saying I distinctly remember that. That is a true thing that happened. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that. Um, Sharon, or, yeah, Rose comes on in and basically says, listen, you killed the kid. Christabel is leading you astray. You have to go ahead. You have to accept what she did. You have to make penance mm-hmm. for it. And Christabella decides, no, she's telling lies and stabs her with a ceremonial Mm -hmm. dagger. Um, But what happens is Rose, her wounds have her blood drip out into the floor. And Alessa is in that blood. It's all black and tarry. And that is the Trojan horse that she needs. And the portal to the other world slowly starts to open. And the entire church is slowly transformed into other Silent Hill, which is under Alessa's control. So Alessa rises out in this throne of barbed wire. She's still sitting in her hospital bed and she basically slaughters the entire oh, church. Yeah. It's insane. Towns people, Christabella, everything. And oh my god, this scene. There I have one problem with this scene, but the rest of it is just Is it the evil ugh. dead scene? So uh yes, the evil dead scene. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, so Alessa's in the bed, and she, the, the barbed wire is shooting down like tentacles all over the place. They're ripping through people. Um, Christabella is taken from all four limbs. She's spread out, raised up into the air, and they do show a shot of the barbed wire kind of going up between her legs and like splitting her open half and half. And then this demon Alessa, who's still running around, that's the one we've been seeing around Silent Hill, goes on under and just starts dancing under the rain. And like the fire scene, I was just like, all right, all right, this is this is more comical than anything. <laughs> you know, save that for the Evil yeah. Dead film, like you said. Uh-huh. That was gross. Yeah. But um, it's a really well done scene. I really liked it. Um, I thought the practical effects were really, really good. And... Rose um, gets uh, Sharon, and they grab her on up, and they go to one of the pews up in the um, balconies, and they basically, she tells, close her eyes, close her eyes, don't look at all this death and destruction going around around you, nothing to see here, come on, close her eyes. Um, But Demon Alyssa, Dark Alyssa, comes on up the ladder, goes into the pews, and Dark Alyssa kind of looks at Sharon, the two lock eyes, and they faint. And then we cut to the aftermath, where the only survivor besides Rose and Sharon is Dahlia, who's right at the entrance steps. And she asks Rose, why didn't they kill her like they killed everyone else? And Rose says, mother is God in the eyes of a child. How's that for a parable, yeah. bitch? And then well, leaves. I like that, too, because uh-huh. we, we get... um. As that happens, we get uh, you get to, you actually see Sharon kind of give the mother a look. She's like, "Yeah, I yeah, know," because you know that it's kind of the Alessa yeah. looking at her like, "Yeah, we're, we're cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm leaving." Yeah, at this point, it's <laughs> yeah. At this point, we get the, the impression that the two have merged now, and now it's Sharon slash Alyssa all in one body. Um, 
and they all leave together. And Rose and Sharon slash Alessa, they leave Silent Hill and return home, but they're still in the fog. Room. Yeah, I, I love that scene. Um, yeah. So Sean being uh, the scene where they drive across the bridge, or the scene where they return home, or sorry, well, what scene? Oh yeah, sorry. I, 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 I love the I love the cut. So like, so we see like Sharon and him driving home. We see Sean kind of laying mm-hmm. in bed or laying on the couch, kind of walking around. Like he's kind of given up. He's not sure what to do. Um, so he kind of lays down, take mm-hmm. a nap, and we kind of cut between him and the house, and then Sharon approaching the or Rose approaching the house, him in the house. Mm-hmm. Rose opening the door and coming in her walking into the house mm-hmm. and then you see the couch that he was laying on is just completely empty. Um, yeah. And you realize that even though they've escaped Silent Hill, they haven't escaped the Silent Hill world. They haven't escaped, like, they are, yes. like, if you think of Silent Hill as, like, the place where they go when they're dead, like, they're still in that plane of existence. Yes. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, once again, they're inhibiting the same space and just like earlier with the school where they basically barely pass each other, they're in two separate dimensions, but they're, in the same space. Um, and then that's that. And I think at one point, Sean Bean does go on over to the front door and he realizes the front door is open, even though no one's in the house. And so you get the impression that there's some sort of connection still, but that's it. And then the movie ends with creepy Sharon slash Alessa staring into the camera as the opening song from Silent Hill 3 plays and it goes into the ending song from Silent Hill 3 and we get this credit scene where we kind of zoom in on all the monsters and that's that. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was Silent Hill. Um, overall, yeah, you liked I enjoyed it? it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, it's... It definitely... And this is the third time I'm saying this so far on the podcast, but... It is the best version of Silent Hill, the best adaptation of Silent Hill they could have come out yeah. with. Now, is it the best movie ever? Is it the best horror movie ever? Oh, God, no, absolutely not. Overall, I'd probably rate it 7 out yeah. of 10, maybe. I, I'm really happy there were a lot of fanboy moments for me, but it just it felt like a lesser version of the games that I loved and experienced, and... For the sequel, I really, really wanted them to make a more original direction, encompassing the same themes, but, you know, still kind of going on with that. But apparently in the third one, they just basically took the plot from the third game and adapted it as much as they could. And apparently yeah, it was really bad. So well, they, they basically just okay. took the main character from the third game. Um, and, but, gotcha. but actually made it just grown-up Alessa. Or grown-up Sharon. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I mean, that's kind of how it was in the games, oh. too. But yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that. Right, yeah. Overall, any final thoughts on Silent Hill? No, I don't know. Like, I feel like, like you said, like I feel like it's a movie that I enjoy when I'm watching it. Uh-huh. I'm interested in I'm watching it, but I would never seek to watch it again. Like, I think it's a well-made movie, yeah. and I was kind of impressed when I watch it. It's like, oh, this is based on a video game, mm-hmm. and the Resident Evil movies are really bad. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it's like, but it's also not a movie that I would go and try to see again. Like, I definitely yeah. want, you know, I definitely saw it in theaters, but I didn't want to go see it now. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And cool. actually, speaking All of right. kind of movies and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, did you see the trailer for Annabelle Comes Home? And yes, I the did. Warrens are back. The Warrens. For are some reason, back. I thought Annabelle already like disappeared at some point in the books in the in the movies back again. again. But maybe that's what makes the Comes Home is. Warrens are back. Call a friend. I'm sorry. I'm oh, but you know they're back, <laughs> and the, the, the Lorraine uh, died though. Yeah, she did. Well, you know, she's never really dead. She's so they'll make the fourth movie about oh, her. Yeah. They just got to they got to wait for a haunting. Well, first. I'm curious though with with this thing of the Annabelle coming back. Like, 
because you know this one obviously isn't going to be based on any like the other two are theoretically based on things that they actually did. Um, so this one is not. So is this having are they actually going to kill somebody in this one? Like because now it's I, I almost don't like it. Like I like I like that the Warrens uh-huh. are in it, but it's not a Conjuring movie, and the animal movies are always already a little bit more ridiculous. So I don't quite yeah. like that. I don't know. I kind of like I want I kind of want a Conjuring sequel, and not an Annabelle sequel. And I feel like even though it is a Conjuring sequel as well, it's connecting their universes, which is what they want to do. Those yeah. are the same. And I also feel like they're hinting, mm-hmm. they're implying that Annabelle is like the source of a lot of the other evils that we they kind of encounter. So I feel like mm-hmm. they're going to tie her into the nun somehow and stuff. Into the, into the haunting in the first yeah. one. Yeah, well, I mean, Annabelle is probably more respected than the nun, but I don't know. The, I, I like the character of the nun better than Annabelle, but... I really liked. Let's just phrase it like this: I liked the nun in Conjuring Two. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Valak was great. I did not like the nun. The movie. Well, no, exactly. Valak <laughs> was all. a great concept. We didn't need to know what the fuck its past backstory was. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, like, and, like the Annabelle so. backstory was interesting. I still don't quite understand what it is exactly. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's some confusion in it. Yeah, but it was interesting at least. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like I, at least the prequel made it interesting. The first one, actually, I thought both movies were interesting, but I don't think they work well together. Um, I actually, yeah. I think I said this, I was thinking people who enjoyed the first one. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the Annabelle series and the Conjuring series, while they are connected and Annabelle does appear in the Conjuring movie, I think of like they're in very separate franchises. Yeah, So it's definitely. weird that they're, so. even though I know they're in the same universe, it's weird that they're going to be together in this next movie. I, I just hope that it doesn't uh-huh. go too action movie Like, I hope that it doesn't go fan service over the top. I hope it still stays... With the like, it's not going to, but I want to stay with the Conjuring mm-hmm. slow burn. Yeah, you, you you don't want um, the Mister Warrens to come on over and have Annabelle and the Nun sitting down and him going, "Oh, we're making a Conjuring initiative." Well, it's like, well, it feels kind of like you know, like the Insidious movies. Did you watch those? You know, the yes. first two were very family based and were like small uh-huh. about the family that's going on and then they, they started including like all these teenagers in the third one and the second and the fourth one I actually enjoyed the third one but the fourth one's terrible it seems like that because now there's like the main like it looks like at least that, that the babysitter girl is going to play a pretty big part in it at some point and so it's going to be yeah. kind of more actiony and jump scary and like summer movie which just feels like a like I, I don't know I feel like the movies were getting away from that <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I'm kind of sad yeah yeah that's sad it, it's better when it's smaller self-contained like, I, I, I do like the Conjuring, you know, how they're all interconnected, but it, it, they should not go all Avengers with it. They should just, like, toss some slide references here and there and have you feel like one continuous story. But other than that, I just I, I like the whole fact where they take one aspect of the universe and just explore it, and it's self-contained, and that's Yeah, like, I'm curious so. to see what that Crooked Man movie is going to be like when they make that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, are you going to see uh, Godzilla? Not really um, possibly. Today. When does it come out? Today. I might try to see it tonight. I guess I know I'm what I'm pumped. doing tomorrow. All right, have fun with sick. that. Sick, and Mothra and all that. Uh-huh. I'm just, I'm really disappointed that I never got to see Godzilla in a 4D movie theater. Oh, uh, that been so sick. Like, I, 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 I don't like. I, we saw Ender's Game in did 4D, we? which was not. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. Catherine did. Um, but that was just like, why, why? It was like, we just wanted to see a, a movie Yo, in 4D. And I, I saw Frozen in 4D, and it was sick. <laughs> it was like like when, when he's riding his fan, the chair, the chair moved, and he got sprayed uh-huh. in the face and shit. Like, yeah. One of, one of the eight times I saw that movie, it was great. 
I think I saw that was Stephanie, uh, and she was so short, she kept getting like, sprayed like in the face of everything that was going on when it was supposed to like, hit your chest. Yep. <laughs> that was sick. All right, cool. All right, well, let's chat later then. Um, so uh, this has been Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. Uh, once again, thank you to our opening song. It is Teddy's Atlas with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. And oh, my God, yeah. I feel so sick. I am going to go. Dude, I, sit I feel you. My, I, my head is. I, 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 I apologize <laughs> to anybody. I didn't talk very much this time because my head is just so foggy. <laughs> uh huh. Well, me too. We are both very, very sick boys, but that's yep. how it goes. That's how it goes. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, hey, thank you for the uptick in listeners from our last episode, Waxwork. That was actually our most popular episode left. I believe it's got 30 listeners. Oh, man, look at, at that. Point. We have people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I know. We have people. We do. Uh, now, and on the Apocalypse is Fuck still yeah. our number one, but Waxwork is number I think two. All, I, be, I bet it's all, all the and on the Apocalypse fans who found it, and we're like, oh, let's listen to this. Yeah. Well, you know what and on the Apocalypse has? Apocalypse has? Dude, I just listened. Actually, I was I did Murph this weekend, like the Memorial Day workout for CrossFit, where you have to like run a mile, uh-huh. uh, then do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 air squats, and then run a mile. And my my that one my, running, uh, my running my uh, running song was turn my life around. I just had on repeat. Yep, it's great. That's how it goes. <laughs> Alrighty, all right. Well, thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next Bye. time.